Uh, let's turn to, to John chapter 11. I, just being here on Memorial Day weekend, look, I'm a pastor. I've been a senior pastor since 06. Memorial Day weekend and like two weeks before Christmas are like the lowest services of the year. Y'all know that? Probably not. Because pastors, like, think about that stuff, and they just do. Um, and I love Pastor Jamie and Cheryl. They're awesome and amazing. Uh, I keep telling, I could take that man out, though. <laughs> like, out to dinner, <laughs> out to the movie, <laughs> about it. <laughs> um, but coming here, just realizing y'all are at a tipping point. I don't know if y'all see that. So if you've ever been on vacation or been away from home for a long time, and you come back home, have you ever been away so long that when you come back into your house, you can smell the smell in your house? But normally you can't, right? Well, guess what? I can smell what's here, and it's good. And I'm just telling you that you are at a tipping point, and I don't know that you see it because familiarity breeds contempt, and so you're just like, ah, just you get used to it. You, I'm not sure that you understand what God has in store for you. Like, the fact that... that this is how many people are here on, on a Memorial Day weekend. Like, y'all are maxed out on this facility. You've got to either expand or get another one, one of the two. And I'm going to say get another one, but that's just me. That's not the Lord. I'm just, I'm just saying, because I just drove by that empty, what was that, the old market basket? Well, like, it wasn't Wendy's. You can't meet in Wendy's. Jesus doesn't go to Wendy's. Uh, <laughs> somebody grumbling over a Wendy's joke? <laughs> like, I love Wendy's. <laughs> Just have a thing for redheads, huh? Um, okay, sorry. <laughs> you are at a tipping point, and, and I hope that today's message um, encourages you. I, I titled it the, the Other Resurrection, because the fact that Jesus rode, rose from the dead is huge. Like, I mean, this is what our faith is, is on, is that the God of the universe squeezed himself into an earth suit and came to earth as, as a human, fully human yet fully God. And, and we know that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and yet they're all one. And that should trip you out. And we love to put God in a box. I'm a little nervous that I'm being, I'm being taped because Pastor Josh is going to listen to this, Pastor Jamie is going to listen to this, and they're going to be like, what? This guy's crazy. Uh, but I think a lot, and I ask a lot of questions. You ask questions? Good, because that is the foundation of all learning. You know, we look at, at, the, at the Jewish people that are way less than a fraction of 1% of the world's population, yet 40% of Nobel Peace Prize winners. Do you know that? 40% of Nobel Peace Prize winners are Jewish. My family comes from Jewish roots, and I was always encouraged to ask questions. So the two foundations of all Jewish learning is that ask questions but always seek answers. Also, part of Jewish learning is that you can hold two conflicting views in each hand, one in each hand, and neither one of them are wrong. This is where the Trinity comes into play, where God is completely and wholly one. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was by a lawyer, a lawyer, a, a, a teacher of the law, he said, what is the greatest commandment? What did Jesus say? Yeah, everybody, love God. Lord. He started with this, though. He started with, hero Israel, the Lord your God is, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why does, that, why does that factor into today's message? Because I want you to know that the God of the universe squeezed down into this earth suit and came for you and for me, the God of the universe, and then, but it's, it's Jesus, not the Father, he's the what? You ever wonder why, why the Son? Like why not just God show up in human form? 
I, I think I know. I, don't, I can't say that I completely know. But if somebody, I mean, this is probably a little raw, but y'all just going to have to bear with me. My wife says I should shut up a lot of times and not say a lot of the stuff I say, but I'm going to say, if somebody busted in here with a gun and wanted to take people out, there's no doubt that many of you men would stand up and do something, right? He said, if he walked in and said, uh, unless you let me kill you, I'm going to kill all these people. You take, yeah, like, right? I mean, if somebody busted in, like, I can shoot you or I can shoot these people over here. And like, shoot me. But if my son was here, and he said, it's either you or my son. I love him, man, but you dying. <laughs> Y'all know what I mean? Because the, the love that a father has for son, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his love for us. Not by giving of himself, but giving of his son. God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners at our worst, think about the worst thing you've ever done. We don't want to think about that. That's when Jesus was on the cross for you. Man, he didn't stay dead. The resurrection was for real, but we're looking at John chapter 11 about the other resurrection. And I'm just going to give you a spoiler. If you've been in church at all, you probably know the story of Lazarus. They sing songs about it and everything. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, but there's some keys that I want us to get from that story. And it's out of John chapter 11, but we're actually going to start in John chapter 10, though. It's not in my notes, and I'm not going to put it on the screen. In John chapter 10, Jesus is in Jerusalem. I mean, this is like the center of everything Jewish. It, it, is, it is an amazing, has anybody here, anybody here ever been to Israel? Okay, yeah, it's amazing, is it not? Y'all have to go, figure it out. Like, it's unbelievable. It's, it's an unbelievable place. Um, and so Jesus is there. He's in Jerusalem, and he's preaching and teaching. And um, he's done all these miracles, and people are coming to believe in him. And then he gets accosted by a, a group of people because he says that the Father and I are one, and they pick up stones to kill him. And so Jesus says, which one, of the, like for what, like what, what are you going to stone me for? For like healing this person? For what miracle? For what sign are you going to stone me for? But they don't care. They're mad. And so they, Jesus and his disciples have to tuck tail and run out of Jerusalem so they're not killed. That's John chapter 10. And then we see John chapter 11. I'm just going to start with verse 1. Y'all going to listen quick today? Brevity is a virtue. I pray that I'm brief. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume over the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. Now, these are good friends of Jesus. They lived just outside of Jerusalem, outside of the city walls, about a mile walk from Jerusalem. It's not real far. You can actually go to that area today. And uh, they were some of his best friends. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. So Jesus, when he was in Jerusalem, would often stay with Lazarus and with Mary and with Martha. Martha. It was a sibling group. They had a house in Bethany about, you know, maybe a 15-minute walk, 10, 15-minute walk to Jerusalem. That's where Jesus stayed. Now, remember, he had to tuck tail and run from Jerusalem because people were trying to kill him. And now he gets a message not very long after he's left. Hey, uh, hey, your friend Lazarus, one of his best friends, is very, very sick. And I got a question for you. Have you ever gotten a text message saying, hey, bad news? Everybody has, right? 
Or how about a phone call? Anybody old enough to remember back in the day when phones were connected to a, a, a curly string that was attached to the wall? Yeah, you ever get the phone call? Like, it's really easy to, hey, I'm not feeling so good. Pray for me. Like, we send that text. But I want you to think about how serious it must have been for Mary and Martha to send word, a messenger, probably 70 miles, 75 miles away, to tell Jesus that his friend was sick. What kind of sickness is that? If you get a message from somebody showing up like, hey, Jesus, I'm glad I found you. Uh, Listen, uh, Mary and Martha, they sent word, Lazarus is really sick. This isn't like pray for me, I've got, a, I've got a cold. When somebody comes that far, like 75 miles or so, to tell you that they're sick, is it for real? No, it's serious. This is a serious deal. And so, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But look at the next verse. It says, but when Jesus heard about it, it's verse 4, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will, be, be, uh, will receive glory from this. So I got three points, sort of. Here's the first one. Jesus always speaks to our place of pain. Jesus always speaks to our place of pain. You got to know that. He speaks to it. The question is, do we believe him when he says it? What are the exact words? It says, Lazarus' sickness will not, will not what? It's not up there, that's all right. Will not end in death. Let me just say this. That there are a lot of things that you walk through that Jesus will speak to, it won't end in death, but that death ends up being a part of it. You ever had relationships die? Have you ever had dreams die? Have you ever had finances keel over dead? Yes or no? Listen, I want us to get to the place where we can walk in life, but it doesn't mean that we never walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We just have to know that despite what we're walking through, it's going to be all right, that it doesn't end in death. I remember driving back in after the hurricane. My parents live in Swallow, if anybody knows where that is. Seems like everybody from here is like from Opelousas, though. But Swallow is that away. So my parents live in Swallow. Um, and I was staying there for the hurricane, and what is normally about a 45-minute drive, because I live out in the Blue Settlement, about 45-minute drive to my house was probably about a three to three-and-a-half-hour drive with chainsaws involved just to get to my house. And to drive up and see the devastation all around me, and then to drive into Lake Charles and see how bad it was. And my wife uh, came to our house, which fared fairly well but everything around us was completely my whole neighborhood everybody lost their homes but us and my one neighbor next to me that's it everybody lost like complete roofs ripped off and just to drive up and just remember her just coming because I'd been there and she came like that next day actually and uh just I mean just ran into my arms just started sobbing my wife is not a crier at all we all have those moments in those seasons where there's loss all around us But if we want to walk in life, we have to know that Jesus speaks to those areas of death. Why am I mentioning this? Because, like, we know it. Because I think a lot of people, they hear the words, but they don't receive it. Where's your areas of wounding? Where's your areas of loss? Do you believe Jesus when he says, it's not over? 
And we can say, yeah, I believe that because that abuse happened years ago. Yeah, I believe that because, you know, this thing is past and it's in the past. And yet the number of people that relive that garbage over and over and never walk in the fullness of Jesus because though they believe, yeah, I know it's not, yes, that's not the end, they're still living in it every day. And it's never over. Does that, does that make sense, guys? Jesus says it's not going to end in death. This happens so that God will receive glory from it. That's my, my number two life verse, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So although Jesus loved Mary, uh, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Question. What were Lazarus and Mary and Martha going through? Martha and Mary were watching their brother die. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of being with people as they die. I've had that, I've had that privilege multiple times. It's a privilege, but it's painful. This is where they were, at the place of watching their brother die. And what you think their question was, Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's the places of pain you're going, where the heck are you, Jesus? What's going on? Because I, I thought you said like the first point, like Jesus speaks to our pain. But here's the second thing that we need to know. That Jesus' timing is not ours. It's just not ours. And what we look at and go, God, where the heck are you? Where were you when I went through this? And you can talk about your own sickness or your own pain or your own abuse or your own loss or your own shortcomings and failings. Jesus, why didn't you show up there? Because there is something greater that he has for you than the pain that you had to walk through. Like, there's, there's, there's a flip side to every coin. Like, we, when we think that, like, anybody got a quarter on them? Probably not. Nobody even carries cash anymore. You got a quarter, my man. What's that? Maybe check it. See if you got it. In a billfold, carrying jingly. That'll work. Give it here. Thank you. That works. What man carries a penny? This is, this is a penny pension man right there. That's, whew. There's two sides. Like we, this, if this is our life, and like one side is, is the pain. Like, but when we flip this, when we allow Jesus to flip it, and we catch it and we flip it over, like this penny's worth how much? One cent. But when we give our pain to Jesus and say, you take it, and he flips that side of the coin and we flop, flop it over, it's like that thing turns to gold. Now this one penny is worth one cent, but how much would this be if it was solid gold? It'd probably be, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks. Because that's what Jesus does with our pain when we recognize, like, where were you, Jesus? What about that? Because his desire is to turn it around for good so that we have gold. Just nobody wants it. That was a good catch. You caught that? That was a terrible catch. <laughs> I thought you got it, man. That was like a great fake. Um, so Jesus speaks to our pain. But we have to recognize his timing isn't ours. And in our pain, it's really easy to go, what's going on? So... I'm going to read on with that. It says, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. You ever wonder where Jesus was? Where the heck are you at in the middle of my divorce? I didn't want this. I didn't ask for it. Where the heck in the loss of a child? Where, like, where, where were you, Jesus? I'm telling you, he, has, he, he is at work. Trust him. Trust him. Look at verse 7. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. 
after two days. After two days. Like, they got the message, and then they're like, everything's good. Well, the disciples are probably like, that's great. Lazarus isn't going to die. He said it's not going to end in death, right? Wouldn't if Jesus said to you, it shall not end in death. Wouldn't you think, like, all right, good, cool deal. Lazarus is going to be all right. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and says, hey, uh, let's go back to Judea. They didn't like that too much. Why not? Why y'all think not? Come on, y'all got to talk back to me. Because what? Not just he was persecuted, they following him. You're right, though. Yeah, because the last time they were there, they tried to stone Jesus. So they're like, why would we go back? First of all, you said Lazarus is going to be all right. And now, like last time we were there, they tried to kill you. And then you know they're coming after us, Jesus. Because here's the truth that you got to know. That if you follow Jesus long enough, everything that happened to him will probably happen to you. Falsely accused, humiliated, beaten, tortured, crucified. Probably going to happen to you in some form or fashion. So when Jesus says, all right, boys, uh, it's time to go back to Judea. Like, we just left Judea. Why are we going back? Like, for Lazarus, you said he wasn't going to die. This doesn't make any sense to me. What what you thinking? Y'all following me? Then he said, verse 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. That's kind of cryptic, too. Because, like, yeah, he said it's not going to end in death. And now you want to go back. Jesus, that's crazy. They're going to kill you. They're going to come after us. We want to stay here where it's nice and safe. It's all good. Like, you said Lazarus is not going to die. And he says, what? Yeah, well, we're going back because Lazarus is asleep, but I need to go wake him up. Jesus, if he's sleeping, that's like he's doing better. Like, he's going to be all right. He's not, like, gasping for breath. He's sleeping. He's going to get better. Verse 14, he says, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you're really going to believe. Come, let's go and see him. Y'all see where it says, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. It happened. So Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Then he says, glad that I wasn't there when he died because now you're really going to believe. Why does bad stuff happen to good people? Why does bad junk happen? Like, I have a, a very close friend who lost his six-year-old son to cancer. My right-hand guy and one of my best friends in the world, Josh Bigwood, his wife's been fighting cancer for seven years. She's just broken 100 pounds, and she's like 5'7". So she's doing all right, but she's still getting chemo every other Monday. Like, why is it? She's the most godly person I know. Everybody knows that. I say that. Pastor Jacob Aranza says that. Like, she's like the most godly person I've ever like we just, she's amazing. Why? I, I can't explain the why. Why did Jesus stay there when he knew that Lazarus was, was breathing his last? Why? Because God turns everything around for good to those who love him and are called to his purpose. We're going to go back. Because Lazarus is dead. That's what he says. Like everybody hating on Thomas, by the way. The disciple Thomas. How many of y'all grew up in church? Y'all know the Bible? Anybody in here? Everybody hating on Thomas because he was like, doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas. Jesus says, we're going to go back to Judea because Lazarus is dead. They got to be all conflicted because Jesus just said it's not going to end in death. Now he's saying that Lazarus is already dead. Does, does this make sense in the natural world? 
No. And so Thomas's response is epic, and I love it. He's one of my favorite disciples. I think he's one of the most faith-filled disciples because his response says, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, he didn't have a twin. They called him the twin because he was so much like Jesus. That's what theologians think. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go and die, let's go to and die with Jesus. Thomas was ready to die with Jesus. They thought they were going back to their death. Let me tell you, when you follow Jesus and you go, I'm going to let Jesus speak to my pain, when you realize that, that, that his timing is not your timing and like, don't be freaked out. Like, you just got to know that he turns it all around. He says, let's go and die with Jesus. You have to be willing to go to the place of pain with him and trust him through it if you're ever going to get to the place of life. But this is what a lot of the message has turned into today. Follow Jesus and everything is better. I'm like, have y'all read the Bible? Have y'all read about all the men and women that followed the leading of the Lord only to end up in misery? Isaiah had the craziest ministry of all. For three years, he, he walked around buck naked. Ain't nobody want to see that, and certainly nobody want to do that. But God puts us in place of discomfort and pain. Why? Because it's not about us, because he has a purpose that is much bigger than us. And Jesus knew that, that Lazarus was breathing his last. And if you've ever been there with somebody that's breathing their last, that's a, that's a monumental moment. But Jesus said, it's not going to end in death, but it's seldom in his timing. So he goes back to Bethany. Verse 20, when Martha got word, so that now they've made the 75-mile hike themselves. By the way, you want to know the most profound takeaway I took from, from going to Israel? Most of Jesus' ministry, probably 95% of what Jesus did was walk. That's what he did. Because like, he was here, he was there. I'm like, Bro, like Capernaum to Jerusalem is like 95 miles. And that sucker's walking it all the time. Like, that's a long walk, I'm just saying. Like, like you're going to go to from Tiberias to, you know, to, to, to Hebron. Like, it's, it's a long walk. Most of Jesus' ministry was just the journey. We need to take something from that. Because when we read this, we're reading the highlights. Anyway. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, if only you had been here. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have what? Yeah, if only you had been here. Like, here's what she's doing. Y'all ready? Because we do this. I've seen, I've done it. I'm sure you've probably done it. We blame Jesus. Jesus, where are you at? Where were you? I thought that you said, like, it's not going to end in death. Because you know that messenger went back and told him it's not going to end in death. And I'd be willing to bet that they got that message after Lazarus had already died. Because we know that he's been dead four days. It says that. I want you to think about that. Mary and Martha got the word from Jesus, I'm sure. Because the messenger went back. It's not going to end in death. And then Lazarus dies or is already dead when that guy gives him the message. Just the way that God works, because now we look at like, it's like two days there, two days back. If you're hoofing it, quit. And it's been four days that he's dead. Wouldn't it be, it would not surprise me at all if the moment that messenger showed up and said, it's not going to end in death, but at that moment, Lazarus died. Y'all ever have stuff in your life that you're going, God, I thought you said this. And then it doesn't happen. And here's the temptation. Watch, we're going to see what it is. You ready? It says, um, if you had only been here, the temptation is to blame God. I thought you said Jesus wouldn't end in death, but like, then he died. Where are you at? 
if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And then she says this, though, because she had, like, but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, this is Jesus' words, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. Now, Jesus clearly had already spoken about the resurrection from the dead. Not just his, but they believed that. There's a whole sect of, of Pharisees that believed in resurrection from the dead. There was a contingency that didn't. Jesus sided with the Pharisees. I'm probably getting too much theological stuff. But Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha's response is kind of disgusting. Look at what it says. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. You know what she's saying? Lazarus dead, you weren't here. Oh yeah, he's gonna rise again. Like, yeah, like when everybody rises, like the rapture type thing. Wasn't the rapture, I'm just saying. Like people use the rapture for that. Oh yeah, sure. He, it was a religious answer. Jesus looks at her and speaks to an impossible situation and says that, He's going to rise again. And she goes, amen. Praise God. Thank you, brother Jesus. Thank you, rabbi. That's such a great word. I know at the end that he's going to rise with everyone else. She goes religious on him. And that's disgusting. Because either we believe what Jesus said or not. Yes, he'll rise when everyone else rises on the last day. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your soul. Like, ah, ah, ah. Jesus had to be repulsed by that because she gave this little patent churchy answer. I just hate patent churchy answers. Like, oh, amen. Praise God. We know the Lord's with. Like, ah, ah. Let me tell you. Like, tell me how you really feel. Like, express the truth because this isn't how she really felt. Like, she did it at first. Like, if you'd have been here, he hadn't have died. Your brother will rise again. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, praise God at the end. Because she still didn't have faith to see Lazarus raised. And Jesus told her, this is key, y'all ready? I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Read those last three words with me. You ready? Even after dying. Jesus told her I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. That, that's huge because he is he is poking on Martha saying, do you believe? Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Will never die. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Who's dead? Come on, y'all talk to me. Who just died? Lazarus is dead. He's been dead four days. And Jesus has the audacity to, to look at her and say, everyone who believes in me will never die. Do you know how offensive that must have been? Because, like, seriously, like, this was one of Jesus' closest friends. This is Jesus poking at, at Martha big time because she's, he's like, listen, if you believe in me, you'll never die. Do you, I would imagine that she received that. There was that flash of like, I can't believe he's telling me that. Is he saying that Lazarus didn't really believe in him? Because he's dead. And then he asks her that pointed question. Do you believe this, Martha? And she says, yes, Lord. I've always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. 
the one who's come into the world from God. I think something flipped there when she realized her own bitterness was coming up from the point of pain and losing her brother. And Jesus pokes on it. Hey, if you believe in me, you're never gonna die. And there had to be. Have y'all ever been offended by the Lord? Like God will speak something that's almost like offended. Like, what? Did you know what I'm going through? And yet she came back around and said, I do believe that. And then Jesus keeps walking because remember Martha ran out to him and now there's Mary. Look at verse 32. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, what did she say? Lord, if you had only been here. She's not real happy either, is he? Basically, this is, Jesus, where were you? Because this is miserable. If you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. He was deeply troubled. Why? His anger, was he angry at Martha and Mary because of their pain? No, I think he's just, I don't know. This has been a point of speculation for three theologians throughout the years. Like, a deep anger welled up within him. What was he angry about? I think he was angry about that death is so painful and that it's so unnatural. Like, I'm 46. Like, I'm starting to feel like I'm getting old. Like, I'm struggling because I do have some reading glasses, but I'll be danged if I'm going to wear them suckers up on a Sunday. You know what I'm saying? I'm like... I feel like I got my brain just about three or four years ago. I remember somebody telling me, hey, listen, when you turn 40, it's like somebody hands you your brain. And I'm like, that's true. And then I look at my parents who were in their 70s and go, like my mom, I asked, I asked my mom, this was just a couple of months ago. I said, mom, how old do you feel? She's like, I don't know, 25, 28. She said, every now and then I'll be, I'll be walking like uh, down the street or, you know, walking shopping somewhere and I'll see a reflection of this old lady and I look over and it's me and it scares me. I'm like, man, it's, a, it's amazing how fast time goes. Why was he angry? Because death is unnatural. It's a part of this life. But it's way unnatural. We were not created to die. Ecclesiastes tells us that eternity is written on the heart of man. I don't want to die. I feel like I'm getting older and like my body's betraying me. You ever felt that? I mean, I haven't been able to work out in like two years because I've separated my shoulder again, you know? I'm like, that shouldn't have happened. And it was a really sissy way that I separated my shoulder. Before, it always been motocross or mountain biking or something like that. I've had multiple separations and breaks because I did a lot of crazy stuff growing up and even into my late 30s and early 40s. But I was running from some wasps and slipped and fell and separated my shoulder real bad. Worst I ever had. <laughs> hey, they were bad wasps, all right? <laughs> and I'm like, my body betrays me. Here's the thing. Death is unnatural because it was never part of God's plan. Why is he, I think he's just angry at death. So let's see what happens. Look, what does he, what does he say? Because he asks a question and it's key. I want you to key in on it. Where have you put him? Where have you put, where, and here I'm asking you, where is your place of death? Where is your place of pain? Where is it that, 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 you, that there's that thing that's buried deep inside? Where is that? Because Jesus is asking you, that thing that makes him angry is the place where you have death in your life. This is why he's angry, because it's not part of who he created you to be. Where's the darkness? Where's the stench? Where's the nastiness? Because that's where Jesus is saying, where is it? Look at the response. It's huge. They told him, Lord, 
come and see. What if they'd have said, Jesus, you weren't here. You said it wouldn't end in death. I thought your word was true. You said it wouldn't end in death. Like, I thought you were a man that was like, like I thought that you were the Messiah. I thought that you were the Savior. You said it wouldn't end in death, and you lied. You lied, liar. Liar, you said it wouldn't end in death, and he died. Listen to me. So many people who sit their butts in church every day are that person. And Jesus is saying, where is that place of death? Where's that place of loss? Where's that place of pain? Where's that darkness of sin? Where is it? Where have you put it? And look at their response. Lord, come and see. And they take Jesus to the point of pain and loss and death. Are you willing to do that? I want you to think about being part of that procession of people who loved, who loved Lazarus. And they got the word. Jesus says he's not going to die. Because he said it's not going to end in death. So wouldn't you take it that way? Even if they said, Jesus said it's not going to end in death. They'd be like, oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Like, Lazarus is going to live. But he didn't. Gerald, you can come because I'm wrapping up, man. Because he, like, he didn't live. And now they're all mad. Martha, Mary, if you'd have been here, if you, where were you, Jesus? Where are you at? Like, I thought you said. Lord, come and see. Look at verse 40. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? I'm going to go back to verse 38. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb cave with the stone rolled across the entrance roll the stone aside Jesus told them roll the stone aside but Martha the dead man's sister protested Lord he's been dead for four days the smell will be terrible I'm going to read it again Jesus responded didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe. That's so good. So they rolled the stone aside and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people who are standing here. So now Jesus is praying. It's not like he needs to pray. He's like, God, you, Father, you are so good. I'm saying that so that everybody that's hearing my voice remembers that you are good. Now remember, they all knew that Jesus said that he and the Father were one. He proclaimed to be God in human flesh. That's why he had to leave Jerusalem the last time. I, all of them here. And then Jesus, uh, for, then Jesus shouted, verse 43, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave his face wrapped in a headcloth and Jesus told him unwrap him and let him go so here's what I'm going to end with three simple things one, two, three Jesus knows your place he sees your place of death and pain and loss he sees it he knows exactly what why would did Jesus know everything yes or no 
Where have you put him? Why would he even ask the question? Did he know where, where they put him? Of course, he knew where they put Lazarus. Why would he ask them? Because he wanted them to be the ones who said, Jesus, I'm taking you to that plane, that place, that place of loss and pain and death and darkness. And that really, it's, it's all of that is wrapped up in the place of sin. Where's your place of loss and death and pain and darkness and sin? Can I tell you why a lot of Christians don't walk in the glory of God? It's because they, they, they come up with religious answers like, oh, Jesus, I know you could have, but you didn't, and it was just your will. No, his will is for you through all of the pain and the loss and the misery and the darkness and the sin to give that to him so that he can breathe life into it and turn it around for his glory. It's Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so many times we want to bury it and never revisit the place where we've been through that miserable, difficult, hard time. We don't want to share it with anybody because we're filled with shame and loss and pain. But that's what we're called to do. I mean, I'll stand up here and go like, I came this close to walking away from ministry after the hurricane. This close. Like, so close that I was about to go under contract with property in Nashville. And then my wife and the Holy Spirit beat the tar out of me. And my best friend and all the people in my life that speak into me. And like, why do I share that? Because we all have those times when we go, this is stupid. This is not what I signed up for. What's going on? Jesus sees your place. But here's the big thing. It's the second thing. Jesus knows your name. He'll call it out. Take him to that place. He'll call it out. And here's the final thing. Jesus has a plan. Jesus has a plan. Two things about that plan. Number one, he's the plan. Number two, you're the plan, and the people in your life are the plan. Because Jesus brings life. He's the only one that can take things that are dead and disgusting and stinky and nasty and bring them to life. But you have to be willing to take him to that place. You have to be willing to roll the stone aside. You have to be willing to come out when he calls your name. And then look at that. It says what Jesus called his name, and that is what brings life. But then Jesus looked as he comes out, he's... He's, he comes out, he says, his hands and his feet are bound, his face is wrapped in a headcloth, and Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Who is Jesus placed around you to unwrap you? If your relationship with him is so personal that nobody can, can speak to you and say, hey, uh, like you're bound up here, let me help you out. If I'd have been left to my own devices, I certainly wouldn't be here this morning. I wouldn't even be in the state of Louisiana. But I had people in my life that could speak to that pain and that loss and say, I don't think it was Jesus. Jesus called my name through all of that. Like, he called my name. It wasn't, it wasn't even taught. He spoke to me. I mean, just very clearly in a moment spoke to me about what the next step was. And it changed everything. But I never would have gotten to that if I hadn't heeded his voice and allowed the people around me to unwrap all the junk that I was going through. Maybe that's you. Maybe you got some junk that needs some unwrapping, some stones that need rolling aside. Or 
maybe there's some people that you need to remind that Jesus is calling their name and be there for them to help them get out of the place of bondage. Y'all are at a tipping point. This body's at a tipping point. You'll either grow or go. I'm talking to individuals now. You'll either grow or go. What do you want to see here? If we, you want to see people come to life, you have to be willing in your own life to let Jesus at the place of death and sin in you. Eunice is an interesting little town. And God has a heart for it. He's waiting for people who open their heart to him and then go out and help other people get unbound. Y'all, y'all follow me here. So I, like, I'm just telling y'all, the word that I got when I was walking in the back and praying during worship, which was awesome, by the way, um, tipping point. So I'm gonna pray, hand it over to Heath. So Father, thank you that you are with us. Jesus, I just pray that we hear your voice saying, take me to the place of pain. Take me to the place of death and loss. Father, that we can hear your voice calling our name. Lord, that we allow people to come and unbind our hands, our feet, unwrap our head, so that we can do the same for those that are waiting to hear your voice, so that when they do, we're there for them as well. Father, I just thank you that your hand is on this, this house, that, Lord, um, that it's part of something bigger, but it's, 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 not the, it's not the tail, it's the head, that, Father, that... You've called Eunice to walk in an unbelievable light like a north, su- north star. And there's, it's no coincidence that it's the, northern, <laughs> the northernmost church uh, out of our Savior's Jennings family. That, Father, I just thank you that it's going to be um, a, a, a light that people can see. And it's a guiding light. That, Lord, that you're going to bring people here. That this building won't be able to contain what you have. That, Father, that um, there's going to be a, a whole new season of not just growth and people, but a whole new season of facilities and and change and why it may seem like turmoil that God, that it's you that's going to speak peace to what seems like a storm and that Lord, that you're going to bring life because of it. And so Father, I just thank you that your hand is at work in here, that you're going to provide um, a place, you're going to f- provide people, you're going to f- you're going to be a God of provision and that Lord, that what you do in this place is going to be remarkable. Lord, I just pray that everyone here opens up their heart, rolls the stone aside so that you can bring life to the places of death. In Jesus' name.